0: You are listening to Melbourne Lights Church Weekly Podcast. Opening your Bibles the First Peter chapter two. We're going to start a new series today. Uh, no awards for guessing what it's called because it's on the screen. It's called Simple Faith. Uh, and over the coming weeks, we want to unpack uh, some of the foundational, practical truths that shape the way we relate to God and our growth and our maturity as believers. We, we want to have a, each week in this series, we want to have a challenge or an activation to put into practice. So, you know, if you don't take notes, let me encourage you to take notes, whether it's on your phone, your iPad, with a pen and paper, however you do it. But there's going to be some things to take away because the point is when, we, when we're hearing the Word of God and when we're in any preach, we want to apply it and we want to respond to it. We don't, hear, we don't just want to hear it and amen it and go, that sounded great and then go away and forget about it. But actually go, well, how do I put this into practice in my life? Um, That should be whenever we hear a preach, that should be our heart position at all times. You know, Whenever we read the Bible, whenever we spend time with God, because it's pivotal if we're gonna become like Jesus, that we actually respond to him and put that into practice. Um, If we miss some of these things, simple faith things, foundational things, if we don't put them into practice in our lives, there's a gap. There's a gap in our foundations. It hamstrings our growth and our effectiveness. And sometimes we, we, we kind of go, this doesn't quite make sense. It hasn't clicked yet. I, I, don't, I don't know why I don't understand this. And it's because there's been just a gap in our foundations, some of the, some of the, the, the disciplines of following Jesus, some of the, the foundational things. And when we get those things in there, it suddenly clicks. It suddenly makes sense. And we go, oh, that I can see that. The first thing I want to look at this week, so to kick off this series, I want to ask this question, what is my relationship, what is your relationship with the Bible? What is your relationship with the Bible? Is it the standard? Is it the plumb line of truth? Is it the thing which shapes how you think and how you live and how we relate to each other and how we relate to God? Is it the standard or is it just a good book with some good ideas? Is the Bible the standard of truth for your life? How do you relate to the Bible? How do you read the Bible? How do you study the Bible? Do you read? We're going to ask, we're going to ask some of those questions um, this morning. As a local church and I think just as followers of Jesus in general, our starting point for everything we do and everything we talk about has to be the Bible, the Word of God. Before we go to commentaries, before we go to books, before we go to podcasts, Google, we go to the Bible. The Bible, for us as a church, if you're new with us or you're a guest this morning, I'll just tell you that for Melbourne Life Church, the Bible is our model and standard. We're all, uh, we're, we're, we're trying to respond and adjust and where we see gaps in our lives that, that, that we, as we're reading the word and hearing God's voice, we're, we're, we're trying to respond to those things. But for us, it isn't another standard. It's not a constitutional document, and then the Bible, or this person's. Te- it's the Bible is our standard. It's our plumb line. The Bible is authoritative. It's God's given revelation of Himself. It lays out not just uh, who God is, but a pattern for our living, how we should live our lives. If it says it, we want to. Uh, if it says it, we want to see it and do it and live in it. And if it doesn't say it, we don't want to do it. You're like, okay, cool. We're going to get practical in this in a little bit. But I think, I think one of the biggest challenges facing our generation, I'm going to include all of us in that, um, our generation, us alive today on the, on the face of planet Earth, and the church in general, is the attack on the authority of the word. The diminishing of the authority of the Bible. There's a push to make the Bible culturally relevant. For our interpretation of the Bible to fit cultural beliefs, rather than for our understanding of culture to line up with the standard of the Bible. The problem is that the kingdom of God is not like the kingdom of this world. Much of what the Bible teaches, much of what the Bible calls us to, is actually countercultural. It flies in the face. It's, It's not just flies in the face. It's in opposition with the kingdom of this world. It's different than. It's the opposite of what culture tells us is acceptable or that we should believe. Have you found 1 Peter chapter 2? We're going to read from verse 4 to verse 8. It says this, As you come to him, talking about Jesus in the context, As you come to Jesus, a living stone rejected by men, but in the sight of God chosen and precious, you yourselves, like living stones, are being built up into a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood, to offer spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. That's a beautiful picture of who we are together. It goes on to say this. For it stands in Scripture, it says, Behold, I am laying in Zion a stone, a cornerstone chosen and precious. Whoever believes in him will not be put to shame. It's talking about Jesus. So the honor is for you who believe. But for those who do not believe, says the stone that the builders rejected. This is quoting from the Old Testament has become the cornerstone and a stone of stumbling and a rock of offense. And then it goes on to say this. They stumble because they disobey the word as they were destined to do. Even Jesus himself is called the rock of offense because his teaching and the way he lived his life and who he was was offensive to cultural beliefs. It was offensive to the religious leaders of the day. It was offensive to those who had other understandings or other ideas of how to live life. It was then, and it is now. You very quiet. Can you turn with me to 2 Timothy chapter 3? I'm going to read all of 2 Timothy chapter 3 because I think it's awesome. It says this. But understand this, that in the last days there will come times of difficulty. Does that sound like Now? I think it sounds like every time in history, everyone goes, oh, it's worse now than it was then. I don't know about that, but it's not good, and it's not necessarily getting better. The idea, this is, I told you there's going to be rabbit trails on this preach. The idea that the world will just miraculously get better is in opposition to what the Bible tells us. Actually, the world is in decay, and the only answer is Jesus. That's a rabbit trail. We're going to leave that one there. Get back. Uh, in the last days, there will come times of difficulty. For people will be lovers of self, lovers of money, proud, arrogant, abusive, disobedient to their parents. Young people in the house. Ungrateful, ooh, unholy, heartless, un- unappeasable, slanderous, without self-control, brutal, not loving good, treacherous, reckless, hurt us. This is full on. Swollen with conceit, lovers of pleasure than, rather than lovers of God. Having the appearance of godliness but denying its power. I'm doing my best to not stop on any of these lines because there are whole preachers in every line here. Avoid such people. For among them are those who creep into households and capture weak women, burdened with sins and led astray by various passions, always learning and never able to arrive at the knowledge of truth. That's a key line. Just as James and Jambres, he gives an example from the Old Testament, oppose Moses, so these men also oppose the truth. Men corrupt in mind and disqualified regarding the faith. There are people who say they know what the Bible teaches, who the Bible itself tells us in this passage are actually um, learning but never able to arrive at the knowledge of truth, who Jesus is. And they're disqualified regarding the faith. But they will not get very far, for their folly will be plain to all, as was to those um, two men. You, however, so he's writing to Timothy here, but you can read it as if he's writing to you and I. You, however, Bailey, you, however, Brittany, you, however, Paul, have followed my teaching, my conduct, my aim in life, my faith, my patience, my love, my steadfastness. He's like, he's, he's saying, he's comparing this to what he had just compared the world. My persecutions and sufferings that happened to me at Antioch and Iconium and Lystra, um, persec- uh, which persecutions I endured, yet from them all the Lord rescued me. Indeed, all who desire to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will be persecuted, while evil people and impostors will go on from bad to worse, deceiving and being deceived. But as for you, continue in what you have learned and have firmly believed knowing from whom you learned it and how from childhood you've been acquainted with the sacred writings, which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Jesus Christ. All scripture is breathed out by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness, that the man or woman of God may be complete, equipped for every good work. There's an attack on the authority of of the, Bible. the other attack on the, uh, one of the attacks on the authority of the Bible is that it was only written for a cultural context that's no longer relevant for us today. It was a good thing, and it was good for their time, but it's no longer relevant. And whilst we, I, it's very helpful, and we need to understand the cultural context of the time it was written, because it helps us interpret, and it adds so much depth. To say that the Bible was only, that it only applies to a specific culture and a, sp- a specific time or context is to deny the transcendent and eternal nature of God. So what does that mean? Well, the transcendence of God means that God is outside of, of, of humanity's full experience or perception or grasp. He's outside of time. The, the imminence of God, we, we love the imminence of God, means that he's, he's knowable, he's perceivable, he's graspable, he's here now. That he, he will break into a moment that we can encounter his presence and walk with him and know him. But God's not just imminent. He's also transcendent. And he's also eternal. He spoke to the authors who wrote, uh, who wrote under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. Not just for people 2,000 years ago or 4,000 years ago or 6,000 years ago. But knowing that you and I would be reading it today. So we have to start with this truth, and it's a little bit of teaching this morning, and we're going to get to some handles, because the Bible is authoritative. It's the plumb line of truth, and if we don't start with that, then everything else is up for debate. If we don't start with truth, every idea is up for debate. Truth becomes relative, and and, and it's up for conjecture, and, you know, who's to say whether you're right or I'm right or somebody else is right? There's a cultural move away from, um, from absolute truth to relative truth. Nobody can say that I'm wrong because it's my truth, not the truth. There is no standard of truth. It's, it's my truth. John 17, 17 in the Bible says, your word is truth. And here's the thing. The Bible, so some people teach that the Bible contains the truth. But I want to tell you the Bible doesn't just contain the truth. The Bible is the truth. If the Bible is not our standard of truth, both as individuals, because it starts in that place, but also together as a local church, then we have no foundation. It is the starting point. If you don't get this truth as foundational in your life or submit to this truth as foundational in your life, then you're adrift without a rudder. You're like a ship at sea with no, with no rudder for direction. And having a rudder in a boat, you know, the rudder is a bit that steers the boat can often be the difference between life or death if you're on a boat. Because if you find yourself in a storm or you find yourself in a place where you're going toward rocks and you don't have any ability to steer, then you're go- often you're going to crash onto the rocks and it's the difference between life and death. Francis Chan, a, a writer and preacher, said this, when I disagree with something in God's word, I assume that I'm wrong. Is that our heart position when we come to the Bible? When I disagree with something, because I guarantee, so if you begin to read the Word of God, there will be things that you go, I, I don't agree with that. Is, is my assumption when I come, well, if I don't agree with it, then it's wrong. Or if I don't agree with it, then I'm wrong. If we see something that we don't like, because there's some difficult texts in here, do we try and make the Bible fit with what we've already decided? You guys ever see, like, uh, I'm sure you, you have at some point maybe seen an example of a plumb line. But I used to do um, brickies laboring, and we would set up, like, uh, a plumb line, like a line that is straight. The thing is this. We often are building houses on hills, and you're in the mud, and there's, like, trenches. And so the eye is deceptive. So you can set up even with a plumb line. So it's like a weight and a string, and if you hold it, that's straight according to gravity. But if you stand back sometimes, because the earth's a bit like that and there's like trees and stuff, you can be like, that doesn't, that seems like that's not straight. And your eye deceives you. So you have to use that plumb line. Now we use spirit levels because it's the same idea. But the old, in the old days, they used plumb lines. Um, and it's funny that the more you build a wall, if you don't c- c- consistently return to check the plumb line... Because you're up close to that wall as you're building it, it's very easy for one course to get just three mil out, five mil out. And you don't see it in that course. And you don't even see it maybe for five or six courses of bricks. But as you step back, if you're using a standard, a plumb line, after maybe 10 or 15 courses of bricks, that wall's crooked. And there's no way to fix it. You actually have to tear it down and start again from the foundation. And this is the, the picture of the, the truth of God. It's the it's, it's the truth by which all other truths are measured. Because our eyes are deceptive and the Bible says our hearts are deceptive as well. So if we if if our plumb line is our emotions or our feelings or what looks good to me or what feels good, what feels right in the moment, rather than an absolute truth, then it's very easy to get off course. John Wimber said this, God will offend the mind to reveal the heart just give you a moment to ponder that because it's quite good because often our, re- our reaction to a truth or a moment or something that God does, hello, it's windy today. Don't worry. It's not going to fall in. It's, there's a little um, flashing. It's not an earthquake. There was an earthquake overnight in, Ap- in Apollo Bay. Yeah, there was like a 0.5. That's not it. That's just the wind. Um, Often our response to a truth, uh, it reveals our heart. It reveals actually where, where we're at. Um, so my question is, is your life submitted to the authority of the Word of God, or is, it, is the Word of God submitted to your life? Does that make sense? Like, do we expect that I'm going to submit my life to the authority of the Word of God, or do I expect the Word of God to submit to my life? And so I'll pick the bits that I like, and I'll pick the bits that, that confirm what I already believe, but the other bits I'm going to push out. Be silent in Jesus' name. Is it holy? Is it sacred? Do we approach it with reverence? Do you, go to it, do you go to it in times of celebration and in times of doubt and despair? Do we only read it when we need an answer? Or like in the celebration moments, do we find ourselves there going, wow, look at that. This is amazing. How, what is my relationship with the Bible? How do I approach it? Let's get real practical about this now, okay? Let, let, let's, let's assume, I, I know not all of you will agree, but this is where we're at, and this is the truth of who we are as a people. The Bible is our standard. It is authoritative, and for us as a church, it's what we're gonna ha- hold as the measure. So if that's the case, how do we approach it? How do we respond to it? What's the practicality of this? How do we actually do it? Um, Because I want this series not to just be a series of theological ideas, but actually how do we do this if we haven't already been doing it? How do we allow the Bible to form us and mold us rather than trying to form and mold it to my truth? The first point is this, and it's exceptionally simple. Firstly, you have to read it. Like, you're like, oh yeah, great, you know, sounds dumb, but it Honestly, can I, can I be honest? I, I wasn't going to put this point in. And then I was like, I have to put this point in because you would be surprised how many Christians spend almost no time actually reading the Bible. They might spend a lot of time listening to podcasts or listening to commentaries or reading books about the Bible or listening to things that other people think the Bible says. But they actually don't spend any time actually in the Word of God. Hebrews 4 verse 12 says this. For the word of God is living and active, sharper than a two-edged sword, piercing to the division of soul and spirit, of joints and marrow, and discerning the thoughts and intentions of the heart. So it's talking about how do we change and become more like Jesus? How do we know whether my idea is the right idea or the wrong idea? By reading the word of God, by spending time in it. It's the word itself that's living and active. And this is key, because it's not somebody else's Interpretation of what the word says that's living and active. It's not a podcast of what the word says that's living and active, although there can be power in those things. I'm not writing them off. But it's the word itself. It's reading it and saying, uh, and we're going to, I'm going to, the next point is some of the questions we can ask of the word. It's the word itself that reveals our heart because the spirit is at work within this. There's power in this. God is revealed in it. So my question is this, do you have a regular time to read the Bible, to study it, to spend time in it? And can I go as far as to say, not just the verse of the day? Like one, I mean, one verse is better than no verses, but we're talking about foundational faith things, things that are going to cause us to become more like Jesus. You can do that, but you will pass away before you get through the Bible if you only do one verse Do you allow it to pierce your soul, to change your spirit, to discern and shape your thoughts and intentions? A lot of us read the Bible looking for what we disagree with, rather than reading the Bible to say, God, reveal my heart, shape my thoughts, let my thoughts be your thoughts, Make, let, let me become more like you. If you're not reading it, can I say this, then everything else I'm going to say this morning, to be honest every other preach is pointless. I have sat with people for for years on end and we never got past this point and nothing ever changed. It's like we can talk about all the issues and all the things and all the prayer ministry and we can go around that mountain but if you don't get back to this foundation one year, two years, five years down the track we find ourselves in the same position. This is the basic starting point to becoming more like Jesus, to growing in your faith. It's not the most exciting preach in the world. It's not a whole lot of stories about like and testimonies, but if we don't get this, there is a massive gap in your foundation, and whatever else you put on top of that will eventually fall into the hole. So the first one is this. You actually have to read it. Our, our takeaway from that point is this. If you're not doing it, it just takes hard work to form a habit. You need to set an alarm you need to let somebody else know you're going to set an alarm. Put it in your calendar. Um, you know, Start with five minutes. It doesn't have to be like three hours. Uh, pick a time that's going to work for you every day. Daily. This is my daily bread. That's the whole picture of manna in the, in the desert was that, that we don't store it up once a week, but that we go to it every day. Sec- the second uh, thing is this. Ask questions while you're reading it. Like, Don't just mindlessly... Turn your you don't, you can't turn your brain off anyways. But you know, like some people just turn your brain off. No, ask questions of it when you're reading it. The two biggest questions we're going to always ask the Bible are this: What does this say about God, the character, the nature, the goodness of God? And secondly, what does this, what is God saying to me? Anytime you read it, God, what does this say about who you are? What does it say about your character, your nature, your goodness? What are you revealing about yourself to me? And then secondly. God, what are you saying to me? Because we expect that he speaks. He's living and active. He's, he's alive. He wants to speak to us. So every time we come to this, there's something for us. Another helpful tool that someone came up with is an acronym. And if I knew who came up with it, I'd reference them. But it's the acronym SPEC. S-P-E-C-K. I think it's going to come up on the screen. Hugo, you've done an amazing job. Hugo did all of these, um, all of these slides for me this morning, first thing. He's twelve. He's done well. He's better than I did. Give him a hand. It's amazing. Sometimes our multimedia guys get like uh, a raw deal. (laughs) Oh, by the way, uh, can you make a a whole heap of slides for me? So, so spec is this: just questions to ask as you're reading the Bible. Firstly, for the S, is there a sin to be avoided? Is there a sin to be avoided? Uh, P, is there a promise to be claimed? Questions to be asking as we're reading the, the word to help us, uh, us kind of grasp it and get it and say, firstly, who, who is God? What is he revealing about himself? What is he saying to me? Is there a sin to be avoided? Is there a promise to be claimed? Is there an example to be followed? For the E. Is there an example to be followed? There we go. And the next one for the C is, is there a command to obey? And finally, is there something to know about God? His character, his nature, his goodness, who he is. Is there a sin to be avoided? Is there a promise to be claimed? Is there an example to follow? Is there a command to obey? Or is there something to know about God? If you start by simply asking those questions as you approach the Bible, as you spend time reading it, it will will move from just, this is a thing that I got to do and just a text and I just skim over it and we don't remember it. Um, to actually beginning to shape us, like we're interacting with this. And I want to challenge you this week to do this, so to make a time to read the Bible if you don't already, but to do this in your time reading the Bible, to interact with it, to listen to what God says when you ask these questions. It's not just an intellectual um, exercise. It's actually, if you ask these questions of the text, and you're expecting that God is alive through His Spirit and is going to speak to you, then are you listening to what He says? That's going to be a different week in our foundational uh, Simple Faith series. How do you hear God? Just so you know. It's a preview. But God's going to speak to you. So what is He saying when you ask these questions? And then the final point around how do we do this is this. Study it and dig deeper. Dig deeper. Study it and dig deeper. Learn how to study the word. Learn how to dig deeper. Um, we should all be doing this if we're going to allow the, the, the Bible to shape our thoughts and minds and beliefs. It's not just for preachers and leaders. Although if you're going to preach a message, you kind of have to know how to do this. Um, but we should all be doing it. It's not so I have something to share with somebody else. It's because this is what forms who we are. You can start with a book of the Bible. Okay, I'm going I'm to study a book of the Bible. You can start with a person of the Bible. You can study the, a person you can pick Joshua or Jonah or Jesus or Paul or Timothy. or There's a whole, so many people in the Bible. You can do a daily devotional or a reading plan. I'm telling you all these things because there's not one way. There's not a right way to do this in a wrong way. It's just do it. You can, um, you can read through the Bible in an entire year. You know, those kind of Bible. There's chronological ones. So it's like the time frame of the Bible. And here's the thing. Um, the, the only bad plan to reading God's Word is to not have a plan at all. Like, if you start something and you're like, I don't know if this is working, then change it. Just get a different one. Yeah. If you start studying something so you're like, I'm not understanding this, do something else. You can study a topic in the Bible. You can read every scripture related to that topic. I, I like studying topics in the Bible. And what does God say about this? But if you're going to do that, then you have to read every scripture on that topic. Because we have this tendency to, to pick the three or four scriptures that, that confirm what we already think about that topic. and go, look it, the Bible agrees with me. And that's the exact opposite of what we're talking about. To read every scripture on that topic, and then to allow those scriptures to begin to um, form our belief. We can't cherry pick the one or two passages for our pre-held position. Um, we have to, to hold those scriptures, all the scriptures, in tension. And I'll give you one sort of theological idea um, for this going deeper, because there's a whole lot of resources that you can get into. But um, go to the first time that topic's mentioned in the Bible, in the Old Testament and then in the New Testament. Start with, it's called the law of first mention. First time it's mentioned, because it reveals something of God's heart on that issue. Then read all the other scriptures relating to it, and then hold all of those intention to form a view, a response or who God is. Someone said this, the Bible contains every answer, sorry, every answer to every question you could ever have on every situation of life. You're like, there's a caveat, if you're willing to search for it like a person mining for gold. If you wanna be a prospector, you can pan in the shallows of the river and you'll get some good flecks of gold. But if you want to mine the depths, it takes some digging, and it takes some sweat and tears, and it takes some, you know, uh, getting, finding the seams and following that seam of gold. Learn how to study the Bible. Elodie's going to put a list of resources into the newsletter this week that you can use to go deeper. So some books, some websites, some resources you can grab hold of. Um, We also, can I say this, we have people in the church that are actually really good at studying the Bible. It's like their it's their number one gift. They find their joy in that. Some of you guys are like, uh, like it's gonna be a it's gonna be some work. You know, you might have struggled to study in school. Some people that like this is right in their wheelhouse. I'll tell you who they are. And there's, there's more than this, but people like Simon Johnson, Robertson, um, Diana, uh, Penny, uh, Hans, Mark and Louise, Leanna, Paul. Um, uh, many, many, uh, you know, a lot of people here. And so you don't have to go on this journey on your own. Like, ask people. You guys there? Is this making sense? Is this overly, uh, like, it sounds overly simple. But honestly, you don't understand how many people that I've sat with who go, I need prayer for this, or I need breakthrough for that, or I'm struggling with this area of sin. And the first question I ask often is, cool, so, like, what, what are you reading in the Bible? It's like a blank. I'm like I'm like, do you read the Bible? Well, I'm like yeah, I'm like oh, I read it. I'm like outside of Sunday morning. Uh, yeah, sometimes. I'm like, let's take a step back. This is a foundational thing that we've missed. This here, I'm closing. Is Jesus in print? The Bible is Jesus in print. Don't tell me you love him here. Come to a more night. I love Jesus. I love Jesus if you don't love him here in the word. Don't tell me you love him here when my hands are lifted in in worship if you don't spend any time with him here. You might think, I don't understand this. Someone said this. It's fine because we don't understand him either. Jesus is beyond our understanding. Um, I don't remember what I've read. Someone said, I don't remember what I had for breakfast last week, but that doesn't mean it didn't nourish me. You don't remember all of it. But you know what? There's something that happens when we fill ourselves with the Word of God. And it's amazing when you bring this into like, okay, like I'm practical ministry. I'm going to go share the gospel with somebody. I'm praying for somebody. Like, the Holy Spirit brings to our remembrance scriptures because they're living and active. And I'm like, I never memorized that scripture, but I have read it and it's there and God's able to bring it up and able to remind me of something. And I'm like, where did that come from? It's the inspiration of the spirit. So we fill ourselves up with this. And I I, have read through the whole Bible. I don't know how many times I've read through it. A friend of mine actually kept track. Every time he read through the whole Bible, he'd write the date on it. I've gone through too many different Bibles. Um, and this, there, uh, let's be honest, there's some sections that, that are hard to read. There's genealogies, and, there's, and there is truth in there, and there's, there's you know, and people, um, better preachers than me, can yeah, have written amazing preachers, and you go, how the heck did you get that out of a list of names? But, yeah, but they're amazing at studying, and, and that's, that's great. But there's sometimes when you're reading, there's stuff to get through, but it's worth it. And then there's gold, and it begins to form us, and it begins to form our belief, and we actually begin to see Jesus in that. And our understanding of who he is isn't just a fairy in the sky to sprinkle fairy dust on us, but it's the creator of the universe, the king of kings, the Lord of lords, my, f- my friend, my savior, the one who laid down his life. There's a depth, there's a richness. We come to worship, and I'm not short of words to worship him because I'm full of what he says about himself. I don't have to make up something because I can echo the Scripture, He is magnificent. He is worthy. I can join with the, the song of the angels from Revelations four: Holy, holy, holy is the Lamb that was slain, worthy to receive glory and honor and power. I can, I can, I can sing yeah, words out of the Psalms that the Lord is my shepherd, and I shall not want. And in the midst of the trial, and I feel like everything's coming against me because I've been here, and I and, and this is God's revelation of Himself. I say, God, You're my shepherd. You said You're my shepherd. That You said that You are my peace. You're robbed and your staff will comfort me are you spending time in the word is it authoritative in our life and belief if you had to reflect your life to the word of God what in your life isn't submitted to him what doesn't line up with his word and pattern that's a great starting point My prayer is this, that we would love him and find him in the word. Not just love the word, but love God in the word. That we'd find him in the word, that we would be true to his pattern given to us in the word. And that if we don't know what that is, that we'd search for it with all our strength, and we'd search for him with all our strength. Will you stand with me this morning? Michael and Catherine, could you guys come up? There's just a line in that song, What a Beautiful Name. It says, You were the Word at the beginning. One with God the Lord Most High. I want us to sing that that verse and as we respond this morning. But I want to pray for us. As a church, sometimes we you know, there's there's uh there's preachy preaches, there's power preaches. sometimes there's there's teachers, sometimes there's prophetic moments but in everything there's a response and our choice this morning is as we hear this are we willing to change if we're not doing it it's not a it's, I'm not trying to condemn you I'm just I've seen the such value of this in my life and the spirit bring these things to life in me and change my thoughts and challenge me Sometimes I'm like, like that makes me angry, but why is it making me angry? Why am I having this response? Because there's an, there's an area of lack, or there's a gap in my belief, or there's an insecurity, or there's a gap in my identity. And it's like, when I read that thing, when I, when I spend that time with God, it's, he, he's revealing it, and he's kind of poking that area, and it's sore. And he wants to bring healing to it. And he wants to feel that, like it's the shalom. He wants to fill the gap, he wants to fill that hole in my identity, in my expectation. I feel like this morning for us, apart from the practical things that we've already talked about to go away and do, there is a response of saying, "What's the gap? What's the disconnect if I'm not doing this?" And to respond to Him. It'll be different for each one of us, so don't, yeah. You know, I'm not going to list a whole lot of things. I just want to pray, and I want us to sing this song. Thank you for your presence. Holy Spirit, we honor you. I think that there's life in this. But even as we talk about simple faith and revisiting some foundational things, I pray this morning right now that where there's a gap in our identity, a gap in our understanding of who you are, in the way we relate to this revelation of yourself, that you would bring healing that you would restore that you would fill that place that we wouldn't approach this word as an ancient textbook to be, to, be, uh, to be picked apart to say I want this bit or that bit but that we would find you Jesus we would find you in this word that we would submit ourselves to who you are we'd be formed in your image we'd be whole in you thank you that in you there's wholeness that's for someone this morning in him there's wholeness it's not in the other things if you're not whole in him the other things will never make you whole if you're not whole in him a spouse will not make you whole if you're not whole in him a family will not make you whole if you're not holding a hole in him that job that move that different location will not fill the hole that only he can fill so lord right now come and fill us come and fill me come and fill me lord we want to be a people who are found in your word and formed by you can we sing this song and respond to him this morning I hope you've enjoyed this week's message. If you have any questions or would like more information, please contact us at melbournelightschurch.com.au